0: Is it time for the Habs or their fans to panic? That's coming up today on Locked On Canadians.
1: You're Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hi everyone and welcome to episode 469.
1: Nice, nice, very nice. Four four (laughs) Um... times nice. (laughs)
0: Lots of nice. And thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Laura Saba. You might know me as the Active Stick and you might know my co-host Scott from Habs Eyes on the Prize. Scott, how are you doing as you almost head into a vacation? I
1: was doing a lot better before I watched the Canadians play on Saturday night. (laughs) And I I am letting you know you're going to have to edit this out in post, but I was writing the recap, and my working title was, Score a Goal, You Goddamn F***s, and they told me I couldn't put that up there, so (laughs) um, it was a very frustrating game, but I am on vacation this week. Laura has some very fantastic guest hosts lined up, so the show is in good hands while I am hiking and drinking beer in Vermont, among other fallsy things, so... (laughs) Not bad. Not bad at all, Laura.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and before you feel too sorry for me, I will be leaving Scott on his own later on when I visit my parents for the holidays. So right now, I'm very excited. I- I've confirmed who they are, uh, but so far, because we haven't recorded yet, I won't let you know, but they're people that you already know. They're people that I'm excited to have as my guest, quote unquote, co-host. Nobody can really replace Scott, though. I think that's that's the, the most important thing.
1: I feel very honored in that regard, and I feel the exact same. <laughs> way is that locked on Canadians is still good without both of us here but it is not the same when it's one or the other alone so yes anyways
0: (laughs) so the habs all right so we're gonna talk today what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about a little bit It's early in the season, obviously, but the Canadians are off to their worst start since 1995, I believe. They went 0-3. They've never done that since since then, basically. And this team right now, there's a lot of people that are worried. There are a lot of people that are panicking at the same time. There are still 79 games left in the season. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk real quick about the Rangers game. In the middle segment, we're going to talk about what's going right, something really good. And then in our final segment, what we're going to talk about is specific adjustments that we would make when the players that are out come in and also possibly before that, if there are any that can be made. All right. So Scott, I think in, through the first three games, and particularly in the Rangers game, I think it's pretty clear that one of the main factors missing on this team is chemistry. This team feels like they all showed up today and started playing today.
1: We see flashes of it looking very good. I thought they started well against the Rangers. They started great against the Leafs, and late in the game against the Rangers, they started to look better, and then it's just... Bits and pieces isn't going to get you very far this season. They need consistency. I'm not saying every shift has to be hem the opposing team in their zone and get a bunch of scoring chances out of it. That'd be great if it was, but we live in actual reality where that is not a thing. And it, it just feels like the team isn't in sync. And I know that it's a long season and they've practiced and they had the preseason and this and that at a certain point, you have to have everyone in the lineup. Like if you're going to play six preseason games, maybe get your entire NHL lineup together at once and go from there through a certain point. But everything feels very disjointed. A lot of players who we know are very good, haven't looked like themselves yet. And the team, as it stands, has three goals in three games. That's not good. By any measure, that's not very good at all. And that's something that's going to have to change. They're going to get left behind real fast at the start of the season here.
0: Yes, this is. these are points that we always talk about every year. It is a cliche. You can't afford to drop points early in the season or later in the season or against teams that aren't as good as you are, all of that, blah, blah, blah. I do think, though, that... There are some things that can be fixed, and we'll talk about that more later in this episode. One of the things that I was particularly not annoyed with, but I think the power play is still not clicking but it it looked to me a lot better against the rangers because there were there was a lot more movement but then there like there were these points where you could see they were moving passing and it was constantly they, they constantly had the rangers on their toes and then for whatever reason it looked to me like there was an opening or an opportunity and they just turn around And shoot back to the point again like that seems to be a safe play that they keep doing. I think they need to break out of their comfort zones because their comfort zone obviously is allowing the other team to take over the game as many people pointed out including yourself Scott when you're playing not to be scored on. And you're not playing aggressively and trying to take control and really trying to take it to the other team you end up in situations where the other team dominates. They take possession. They won't let you back in because you're not being aggressive enough. They are able to box you out in your own power play, which again, admittedly looked so much better in the Ranger game than the previous two games. But still, whenever there was a point where they didn't know what to do instead of being creative, they were going back to that, uh, you know, passing to the point. And we talk about the power play a lot on this podcast, but it's also a kind of a microcosm of all the other things that they do. Like there's a lot of things where they kind of default to what they're used used to, as opposed to being aggressive, as opposed to putting pressure on the other team. I want to see the other team uncomfortable. That's what I want to see. And so far in the three games, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the Canadians forcing the Leafs, to make mistakes i haven't seen the canadians like put any kind of a scare in buffalo right and obviously they've got a chip on their shoulder and a lot to prove blah 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 all of that but the canadians allowed them to get away with it i haven't seen them i didn't see them make things uncomfortable for the new york rangers like that was something they were so successful at in the postseason they really like they made other teams they forced other teams to make mistakes that's something to me that's what i want to see
1: they, they play this default scared style, and they have since Michel Therrien was here, and it's a problem in that you have to take chances to win games. Teams aren't just going to roll over and die, and we learned that against the terrible Red Wings. We've learned that against the Sabres. This team is in a spot where they don't want to take risks, so they default to what they know, which is put it back to the point, put it on net, make the safe play off the glass, someone needs to break that mold and it's something caulfield did in the playoffs last year and he's not really being allowed to do that right now just so many decisions that are baffling to me ben Sherat was the shooter with the empty net cole caulfield was on the bench like i don't fully get what Ducharme's plan is here and it's too early to line blender everything and panic But at the same time, making changes just for the sake of making them because you think it's the right idea is a terrible way to run a hockey team. It's how you end up in a mess and it'll only get worse unless someone goes, hey, enough, this is what we need to do. And by this, I mean literally everything, the exact opposite of what they've done so far
0: and it's not all bad there are some things that are going well some things and some people that are playing well right now we're going to talk about that in our next segment and coming up in just one moment but first stop me if this sounds familiar you've got one device that lets you catch the game live another that lets you stream your favorite shows you're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. So there are some bright spots on this team, even though it doesn't seem like it this early with, you know, down three, down 0-3, sorry, uh, in an 82-game 82, 82 season. But there's one player that we both wanted to talk about, and I'm so glad that before we started recording, Scott said he wanted to spend a little bit of time on this, and that is the re-emergence, resurgence, the, the rebirth of Jonathan Drouet.
1: Yeah, I, well, I thought we were talking about Cedric Paquette. I, I can't believe we're not <laughs> talking about the Canadian possession leader right now, which is something I looked up before the show to try and make a point and realized, Wait, oh, no. What? He leads the team in Corsi 4 percentage, which no. absolutely blows my mind. It's wow. not a good sign at all, but <laughs> to the main point is I am so happy to see Jonathan Dwayne thriving the way that he is this season. He constantly looks engaged, is making those high-risk plays that we talked about trying to break out of that normal, boring shell. And Jonathan Dwayne is the kind of player who can do that. He scored the season's first goal against Toronto on a great play from Josh Anderson. And then he scored against the Rangers late to tie the game up there in front of the fans at the bell center. The first time he's been in front of fans there in quite some time, he got a massive ovation during intros. He's playing like we know that he can and no, he's not going to score a goal every other game. If he did sweet, that'd be, that would be great. Uh, But he looks so much more engaged, even when things aren't going well and they haven't this season. He's still out there and he's giving it a a full effort. And a lot of people knocked him for taking shifts off before he looks like a guy who clearly benefited from that time away and working with a therapist or psychologist or whatever it was that he did, because his reemergence is If it wasn't for him, the Canadians would have one goal on the season and none from their forwards, which is um, terrible, to put it very lightly. So the reemergence of Jonathan Duane in his partnership with Anderson and Dvorak is working out great. And I want to give a special shout out to Brett Kulak, who always seems to get the secondary assists on those plays with just smart little chips to the puck to get the thing moving there. He did it against Toronto. He did it again against the Rangers to help kick everything off. It's really hard to find. There are plenty of faults to go around, but the Dvorak, Anderson, and especially drew line, I don't think is part of that. I think that they are currently the lone bright spot on this team going forward.
0: I do agree. And there's something about the way Josh Anderson has come out with a determination. I think last year he did that as well, very early in the in, in the season. You know, he, he he put up a lot of points. He and Toffoli were really, especially since they were beating up on the Canucks and everything like that. I saw a lot from them, but there seems to be, I think he's grown a little bit like with, with, with Josh Anderson. He already knows what he can bring to this team. You know, he had a bit of a slump towards the end and then he became more effective in the playoffs. I think that he he's determined he's bringing that energy, but I also think that he and Drew are feeding off of each other's enthusiasm. They're feeding off of each other's commitment. And it's not to say that the rest of the team is not committed or anything like that. I just really love the way that they're working together. And Dvorak is also, is almost like a secondary person, but I'm kind of thinking because of the maturity and readiness that he has, he's able to center that line properly, right? Like if you're imagining who else might've been centering, like whether it's Kotkaniemi or whether it was question Mark or whoever, like that center is really working for those two guys. And I think that that, to me is, is a, is a good sign. Like somebody who has the, the, the skill, the, 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 experience I think the calmness the readiness like that's going really really well and so for me like I just I'm so happy for Jonathan Duran because people are always determined to say really negative things about him no matter what and at the end of the day like we have to take away the position that he was drafted at and just forget that part we have to take away the fact that he was traded for a player who's very effective on a multiple Stanley Cup winning team like I, I just think that If you take that context out, if you look at him as just this guy is a forward, he's a forward who's your like, you hope he can play your top six. But like, you know, second line is great. And you look at what he can bring to the team that way. Like there was so many points. Remember we were talking about in the first segment, like the Canadians weren't giving the Rangers enough trouble. They weren't giving their opponents enough trouble. The way that Jonathan Durant stick handled around some of the Rangers on Saturday night to me like that, like that is a level of skill that, Not every player has maybe he's not going to be your elite superstar, but he's going to be a significant part of this team. So I think it's time that everybody get on the same page and realize that this player Is going to be good on this team it's just that everything else now needs to start clicking around him and I do like that you pointed out Brett Kulak because he's a guy that I think a lot of times even the Canadians themselves sometimes don't know what his deal is or what he brings to the team but he is part of that mobile defense that we keep saying that the Canadians need he is he does form part of the mobile aspect of it and so I think like the most important thing now is for other people to be clicking because Jonathan Durant's not going to be able to do it all himself. No one player can do it all himself. Even ones named Carrie Price. And at some point, Carrie Price, Mike Hoffman, Yoel Edmondson, possibly Adam Brooks and, and Sammy Nico are going to draw back into the lineup. So in our final segment today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about adjustments that we think the Canadians could and should make. I think it's, it's time to try new things, maybe not line blender, but try new things. And that's coming up in just one moment. And speaking of trying new things, have you tried built bar yet? It's not new to us. We have been devoted fans of, of built bar since they started sponsoring us. They're one of our favorite sponsors. they are a can, they're a protein bar. (laughs) They're not a candy bar that tastes like a protein bar. It's the other way around. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. When I just said you know candy bars that taste like protein bars, what you're used to with a protein bar is usually the sandy, grainy texture that soy or whey protein taste. You know the one I'm talking about. Built Bar has none of that. It tastes like a candy bar. It's soft. It's chewy. It's a treat, and it's always high in protein, low in sugar low in calorie and made with real chocolate. They've got 18 delicious regular flavors, but they also have once in a while they have special edition flavors. Like right now they've got a, uh, uh, a, a basically a protein puff. It kind of tastes like a like one of those marshmallow, like chocolate covered marshmallow bars. So good. And if you want to try any of these 18 delicious flavors or one of their special edition flavors whenever they come around, you can go to built.com and enter locked fifteen and get 15% off your order. That's built.com, and the promo code is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. So one of the reasons that we think it's a little bit too early to panic, but it's, it's time to be concerned, is that a lot of the Canadians key players are still out. They're going to be out for a little bit of time. For example, Mike Hoffman, who was brought in to inject quite a bit more scoring into the lineup is currently out. Uh, Joel Edmondson, who was a really good partner to Jeff Petrie and will bring some energy physicality uh, and a little bit in your faceness. I don't know if in your faceness has a fancy stat Scott, but that's the one I'm going to use now. Um, and, he brings that to the lineup and he also frees up whoever's playing with Jeff Petrie to put play with someone else essentially. Uh, and he's going to be back. Carrie price is obviously out and he will be back at some point. Although Jake Allen is playing really well. Unfortunately, the Canadians can't get him wins, but I think Jake Allen right now, the way that I'm seeing I'm, I feel calm with him in net. I feel fine with him in net.
1: I think Jake Allen's been great this year. He's been put up against it and against Toronto. He was fantastic against the Rangers, it's again, the Canadians didn't give him anything and a missed coverage by David Zavardo, I thought had been halfway decent up to that point, led to a 2-1 goal that ended up being the game winner from Alexis Lafreniere. Jake Allen's been great. I know Carey Price is going to need time to get back into form. I wouldn't be shocked if they went, hey, play a game or two for the Rocket or something similar like they did last year when he came back from his concussion. And the team itself, you can see, like we talked about in our first segment, is missing those pieces. Joel Edmondson next to Jeff Petrie, we know, works. It's steady, it's calm, and it's going to be fine. And that allows them to move Alexander Romanov around it, maybe allows them to break up the Sherat-Savard pairing if they want to. It gives them flexibility. And Mike Hoffman's going to come into the lineup, and that can give them the opportunity to move a Yola Armia or someone down to the fourth line there and play a more – possessive style and put a more dangerous shooter out there for the power play and other things. There's a lot of things that are going to change because Hoffman's expected to play this week. I believe Sammy Niku just got cleared and I would really like to see him in the lineup. I know Chris Weidman's been fine, but he's taken a bunch of penalties against the Rangers. Sherratt took a bunch against the Sabres. Stop doing that guys. Your penalty kills clicking in at 58% right now. Not great. And I want to see what they have. You have to see, you have to know before you make any judgment calls here, Adam Brooks should get a game here soon. There are pieces to swap in and out. If Dominique Ducharme goes into the next game against the Sharks and goes same lineup again, then he's out of ideas, which is not what you want. Especially for team- teams are,
0: or maybe like I think the only excuse is if they're if, if those other guys are still injured but Adam Brooks is not injured
1: and, and Miku is clear been,
0: yeah he's clear to play so like unless there's something that happens that like they tweak their groin or something again like in practice or something there's really no excuse like I I really would like to see especially Adam Brooks you got him for a reason I understand that Sidney Pocket is now the Canadian's best possession player but you know you got you 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 claim this guy off of waivers for a reason it's time that you play him because your other choice is going to be to send him down through waivers somebody else is going to get him right so for me he's somebody that I definitely want to see and I want to see Sammy Niku because I understand all the the questions surrounding him but he was also playing for Paul Maurice last year so I feel like that we're missing aggressiveness we're missing creativity what we're missing is dynamic offense, and that's hurting everyone else on the team. So putting more mobile people on there is going to help a lot. Now, the thing right now that I'm a little bit kind of concerned about, but not in a long-term status, just sort of it's, it's, it's prime like slump context, is both Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. It looks like they're playing with too much pressure on themselves, and it looks like they're the ones putting that pressure on themselves.
1: Nick Suzuki obviously feels the pressure of that huge contract he signed, which he earned every penny of. And he wants to, you know, back that up and earn it. And every now and then I see a bit like against the Rangers. They didn't show a replay of it on Sportsnet. And I'm kind of disappointed. He was in the corner. There's a Ranger coming in on the four check and he just sidesteps him. And the Ranger slams into the, his face off the glass and end boards. And I thought it was hilarious. And Caulfield, he's getting chances. He's getting these breakaway chances. He's getting open and then he's just either the puck is bouncing or he's passing it when he would shoot. And someone needs to look at him and it's like, kid, if you were on a two on one, you should be the one shooting the puck unless you have an absolutely open lane to pass the puck across. He, we know how good he is and he knows how good he is. And losing obviously takes a toll on you. You start to overthink things. And I think the coaching staff needs to get him and be like, guys, Deep breath, relax. You're Nick Suzuki. You're one of the smartest players in the NHL. You're Cole Caulfield. You have potential to be one of the best goal scorers in this league if things continue in your game and just let it go. You know, don't overthink it. Trust your skills to get you where you need to go. And I think that once either of them score, they start clicking a little bit, it's all going to just roll downhill from there. It's going to be a good thing. They're going to pick up their momentum and go because sometimes it only takes one goal to get someone off on a streak. We saw it with Max Patch already for how many years that he would go goalless for like 10 games, get an empty netter and then just be absolutely on fire. I, I think it's a similar thing here is that Caulfield's going to get one and then it's just going to start going. It's going to start going. It's going to start clicking and then teams better look out from there.
0: I agree. And I think with, with Caulfield, obviously there's a lot of buzz from the playoffs. People are talking, we're talking, we think he's going to win the Calder. You know, this is, his rookie season and he proved that he belonged in the NHL during the playoffs. But there's also something that very few people are pointing out is that right now people are game planning for Cole Caulfield. Their defense is aiming for their penalty kill is aiming to neutralize Cole Caulfield. That's a huge compliment, obviously, but at the same time, it can't help with his confidence. He's now, You know, it's one of those things where like it becomes kind of a rude awakening when you make the NHL and teams start taking you seriously and coaches start coaching against you. I think part of it is that aspect. But also, you know, we keep talking about I saw on the athletic they were talking that he might score 40 goals and I was like the 40 seems a little steep, but. I still think that he's called her material, and I think that that's probably in his head right now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. you can yell at me if I think if, if forty is too steep. But I think it's his rookie year. I don't. I don't think he's going to hit forty, but I think he's going to score a lot of goals.
1: I, I don't think he's going to hit forty yet. Do I think he's capable of scoring forty? Absolutely, I do. With a shot like that, everyone should. The Canadians just need to get him in a spot that succeeds, and that goes to the power play too, which the power play is. A show and a half's worth of ranting that we will not do today and to bring everything home here from our first segment it's not time to panic but it is time to definitely think critically about what this team needs right now mike hoffman coming back will give them goals will not help them defensively but will definitely give them goals joel edmondson coming back he had a family thing this week that's why he wasn't at uh the game this week he should be good to go soon and hopefully once they get these final pieces kind of plugged in it all, will just kind of form together and get the team where they need to go. I am excited to see what it is because you see flashes of it and they, they've proven they have the speed to stretch defenses. It's just not paying off in goals yet. I want to see them start converting on some of these, like they have the sharks, they have the hurricanes this week. They have, I believe the Kraken as well. And It's not an easy schedule, but you got to rise up to the occasion at some point. You can't play the Sabres every night, and maybe it's better that they don't based on that first game. So this is a challenging week for them, and if this team is serious about wanting to contend and wanting to get better, then they better rise up for that challenge. And I think with the pieces coming back and kind of looking back at what their first week is, they'll rise to the challenge this week.
0: So I'm going to all the games this week. <laughs> I'm extremely lucky. Uh, I don't even I don't even know how that happened, but you know, on Friday I was going to only one of the games, and then now I'm going to all of the games. Uh, and the games are against San Jose, Carolina, and uh, Detroit, and then they're going to the west coast after that so next week is going to be another weird uh swing where they're they they do not usually do all that well but you know we can be hopeful and uh i think i think there's a chance like it's exactly like you said with these new pieces in the lineup if they start thinking some things if they just rethink one thing and that is stop trying not to get scored on and play to score be aggressive if they just change that one thing i'm sure we're going to see a vast improvement and with that uh tomorrow we'll be talking about all things going on in the prospect world and any news that may or may not come up and then the rest of this week i will be going solo with some special guest hosts and i'm really excited for that please Subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Scott is on Twitter at Scott Matla. I am at the active stick. If you'd like to email us, it's locked on Canadians at gmail.com. And if you like to this podcast, make your second listen of the day locked on fantasy hockey with Scott Cullen. He's the best in the business. He's going to be the one that tells you your best fantasy decisions to make. And that is Lockdown Fantasy Hockey available wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow.